Welcome to Grace Spaces. We are a production of the American Baptist Churches of Connecticut. Join us on the second Monday of each month as we have a grace-filled conversation with a fellow sojourner. I am your host, Reverend Jamie D. Crumley. Let's get into our conversation for today. Hello and welcome to the very first conversation with one of our faithful sojourners who we will be speaking to here on Grace Spaces. Our very first guest is the wonderful and talented and called executive minister of the American Baptist Churches of Connecticut, the Reverend Dr. Harry Ricks. Harry, welcome to Grace Spaces. It's great to be here with you, Jamie. I'm really excited about this uh, new venture and endeavor that uh, American Baptist Churches of Connecticut is launching. Great. Well, thank you so much for your support. And I am so looking forward to all of the conversations that we will have on this show. Um, So as we get started on this very first episode, I would love to hear more about your call to Christian ministry. Uh, I've read in your bio that you have been active in Christian ministry over the course of the past 30 years So just tell us a little bit more about the nature of your call. What was the mission that enlivened your soul? That's a great question, Jamie. You know, um, when I got started in ministry, um, it had at its core um, what I now am living out, but it was very small. It was, you know, it was small because I didn't know the big God yet. I, I, I knew God. But it was through, you know, my very peculiar, small world. And so it was really my call to ministry was really about how to make, how to help. um, I grew up in the black church, how to help black church um, experience uh, a enlivened encounter with God. Because what I saw was tradition and what I perceived as, you know, inauthenticity. And so I wanted people to experience um, it, particularly in the black church. I wanted them to experience beyond the, the excitement of Sunday. I wanted them to experience the encounter on Monday. And that turned into a lifelong journey for people, not just the black church, but people to encounter this very real God. And so my ministry from the very beginning has been a ministry of transformation. So it's funny, my wife and I said early on, if a church calls me, you know, they're, 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 they have some work to do because it's not what fully what they could be because God has sent me there. So I'm looking at that and I'm experiencing Abcon and there is work to be done here. And it's a transformative work, a work of the spirit. Um, So all that kind of focuses in on my, my ministry where, where it began very specific cultural to what I knew to now very broad, um, to a, a large variety of, of people and people groups. You know, I think that's so interesting. I was also raised in the Black church tradition. I would love to hear more of your perspectives on this transition from 
having grown up in the black church experience, first of all, I'd like to hear what that means to you, but mm. secondly, moving outside of that context. And now, you know, you're in Abcon. That means that we have congregations that are more traditional black churches, perhaps like the kinds of churches that you grew up in, but there are churches of all different cultures and ethnic backgrounds. You know, we know the black church includes Caribbean churches Uh, It includes churches where most of the population is African, right? Like, so there's so many different ways to be the church and do church. So can you kind of talk more about that transition from very specific um, to this broader way that you're doing ministry now? Yeah. So let's talk about the the black church. So um, when I refer to the black church, I'm talking about um, specifically North American diaspora, African diaspora that has been brought over on slave ships and a particular style and culture of church experience that has historically uh, been pastor pastor centric um, and has been um, very uh, in, in its in its various forms, um, more of a liberation um, that church was the place where if you weren't someone in your community, you had to sit in the back of the bus or you had to um, not be able to sit at the counter. You had to sit uh, somewhere else um, in a restaurant. Um, that that the black church was the place where you could be the pastor, you could be the deacon, you could be the the mother of the church, and that meant something. That you had um, a place of that affirmed your personhood, your your identity. Now, what went along with that? All that is great. What went along with that was were some of the things that when it started was, was meaningful. So preaching um, in the brush harbors where, you know, song and rhythm and uh, beat uh, uh, was, was um, crucial. And so preaching became a very rhythmic um, musical, even kind of event. And by the time I was, you know, aware of church, that, did not fit. Um, they were, they were, my church was still um, lining hymns. They, they, it was coming to an end, but they were still lining hymns. And, um, you know, that, that just didn't fit. It didn't make sense to me. I mean, they're rich culture. I, 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 I miss that now in, in my older age, but um, so, so when I say, you know, something that was, uh, relevant, I was referring to that, to that church. It seemed like the, um, it was out of a sense of nostalgia that people were, were living in a particular way in the church. Um, and, and, and I came into the church with this new understanding that it wasn't just going to church. It was really being in having an encounter and being encountered by God and Christ. And so um, so that's what I mean by black church. That's what I mean by what I thought I had to offer um, or what I wanted to help. So my ministry has been more of a ministry of teaching. Um, I haven't had uh, that rhythmic style of of. uh, preaching. So um, when I was coming up, they called it hooping. Um, I had more of a holler than a hoop. 
Um, and I tried to have my content so that, you know, people were um, engaged mentally as well as emotionally um, with, the, with, the, with the message. Um, you know, I've, I've done my best with that, but, but now it's a broader sense. So now, so now, you know, um, I know that um, not only is the vibrant, alive and um, earth shaking worship service meaningful, but I also know that the still and quiet service is meaningful. And I think now the ministry becomes how to help people who are on the other side of the tracks, if you will, experience and enjoy what others can bring to the camp, right? Because we are we are we are made up of a diversity of people. So, um, yeah. So so that's that's um, uh, kind of my experience. What was the what was the 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 the, the, the the essence, where'd you want me to take that also? So I was kind of picking up on the first part, you know, black church, what that meant to me. Um, but you were taking it somewhere else too. Where was that? What, what did you want me to say? Yeah. I mean, I think you were headed in that direction with what you were just saying. How does that experience of coming from the very specific location of the black church in which you were raised translate to now your ministry with, which is with all sorts of different congregations. So you were just speaking to diversity. I'd love to hear more about, you know, because I know right. just a larger mission of ABC USA to be a diverse body of churches. Um, what does that mean to you, especially in this current context in which we find ourselves on um, not just in AFCON, but throughout the church universal, throughout this nation and our world, uh, so politically divided? What does it mean to really embrace and celebrate our difference and diversity? Yeah, so so um, let's let's talk about uh, cultural diversity first, and then I'll I'll jump into a little bit about you know theological diversity because um, I think they both um, land in the same place when it comes to the gospel. So so cultural diversity, I think what what the gospel brings us to in cultural diversity is that there are um, a variety of ways to encounter God, and I've mentioned some of them. Um, and I was even in my desire to to do and live and engage the black church in one way. I had my own, you know, understanding of what what that what that what that meant. Um, and so, you know, um, I brought my own little bias to the conversation. Um, and I've learned that everybody brings that bias. So culturally, I think the, what the gospel invites us to is not to um, um, deny our bias or to um, hide our bias. But I think what the gospel invites us to is to experience what other people can bring to enlighten um, our bias so that our bias is is not just um, singularly focused. It opens us to other people, other dimensions, other um, venues, and thereby God becomes much larger, much more inclusive, much more than we can ever think, imagine, or or even uh, uh, ask. You know that 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 we could even handle, if you will. So, so culturally, I think that's what that's what I think um, um, I think is being in, invited uh, of us. Um, theologically, I think 
you know, we get divided on our on our theologies, you know, that that if we do it something this way or that way, then God is is perceived the right way. Um, I think, you know, as I've as I've lived my life, what I what what I've come to understand is is that there's way more gray in the world than there is black and white. And um, and, and I, I refer to black and white being, you know, clarity of understanding. And and so that gray is that, you know, it's it's there has to be a, a different way to see um, the world as opposed to seeing the world from my view only or um, you seeing the world from your view only or my seeing the world through your view um, and neglecting my view. Um, and, and so I think that that theologically we can get stuck in that. And so divides happen in the church and, and, and splits happen and divisions happen and frustration takes place. Um, but I think, again, what the gospel offers is that God's ways are not our ways. And that if we can simply be at the table one with another and hear what, how, how, how someone across the table from me is viewing God and they listen genuinely and authentically hear my view of, I think we can be lifted and elevated to a whole nother level of conversation. Um, and I think that's what my ministry has been about. Um, and so that means patience. Patience and um, and being able to wait, um, because I believe that that we've just started this journey of Christianity, that um, we haven't be we've just scratched the surface of this thing. That there's so much more to plumb um, into the depths of what God uh, is offering us through His Son Jesus Christ. I think um, it's a shame when the world, people outside the church, um, and others um, view the church with disdain or fear or frustration. Um, that's on the church. That's on us. You know, we've done that. We've made that perception. But that's not what God intended. That's not what Jesus did uh, when he released the words into the world Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That that isn't that isn't what he was intending when he says it is finished. The the work is done, um, and so I just believe you know culturally and theologically those divides are false, and that God is inviting us to something much broader and bigger because God is bigger and broader than our little divides. Um, and those divides are always based upon our particular view of having it correct. And again, back to the whole idea of black and white and way more gray, you know, I've learned that, man, I don't know half as much as I, as I thought I knew and, uh, and even less of what, um, I want to know. So <laughs> I just have to be patient as, as God unfolds, um, his presence, uh, the presence, the divine presence to, to me and in, in the world. So, yeah, I have a little poem 
about about being patient. Can, can I read it? Of course. It's it's by um um Pierre Tellier de Chardin. Um, and it, it's called Patient Trust. Patient Trust. Above all, trust in the slow work of God. We are quite naturally impatient in everything to reach the end without delay. We should like to skip the immediate stages. We are impatient of being on the way to something unknown, something new. And yet it is the law of all progress that it is made by passing through some stages of instability and that it may take a very long time. And so I think it is with you. Your ideas mature gradually. Let them grow. Let them shape themselves without undue haste. Don't try to force them on as though you could be today what time that is to say, grace and circumstances, acting on your own goodwill, will make of you tomorrow. Only God could say what this new spirit gradually forming within you will be. Give our Lord the benefit of believing that his hand is leading you and accept the anxiety of feeling yourself in suspense and incomplete. I just love that poem. Um, and I think it captures what I'm, I'm trying to, to get at. So first of all, I would say that if you are able to preach it and teach it the way that you just did, there is no need for hooping. So I just want to go ahead and lay that out there. <laughs> yeah, okay. I also grew up in a hooping tradition. Uh, and I think that there is value there. And as you've said, it comes from a certain history and culture that I don't think we should forget. Uh, at right. the same time, uh, we know that there are so many ways in which the word of God can be heard. And I think you have spoken it to us today. And so I'm wondering, let's say that that's the sermon uh, that you have, the vision that you have in this moment. And as preachers, as part of our job to write the vision and make it extremely plain, which I think you have done. But then I'm wondering about the next step. You have spoken about how God's ways are not our own ways, how we have to be patient, how we have to wait. But just practically, what are the practical tools uh, that you might offer for us to really live into this vision? Yeah, so I think um, it kind of depends. There's not a one size fits all for everyone. So um, I'm a very verbal person. And so for me, I think it's really important to be quiet, to allow um, the presence of God to overwhelm me in my quietness to be, it's, I'm, I'm a very active person. And I think in, this, in, in the same sense, it's, it's important for me to be still um, it's not an either or proposition. There are times, you know, where that's important, but then there are times when, you know, 
um, podcasts or being led in devotion or um, more verbal or active ways of engagement are are necessary. I think, you know, there really isn't a one size fits all, but I think um, the key is to find that practice or practices um, which are time tested. I mean, the church is filled with them, you know, so prayer can be both verbal and nonverbal. Um, scripture um, can be read in a number of different ways. A community can be very helpful and influential. And all of those have their place and they have their their counterparts. And so I think that so community, solitude, obviously, um, you know, um, uh, scripture um, might be a, a sense of reading not just the Bible, but other people who've read the Bible and seeing scripture through other people's eyes. So so I think they have their counterparts. And I think that it's the church's job, um, and again, this is our fault, I think it's the church's job to make disciples. I heard one, one um, executive minister put it like this, that, that Baptists used to be about um, teaching the word. And then Billy Graham came along and made us feel like we had to go out and win the world. And I think if you teach the word and you engage in discipleship and grow disciples, you will be evangelical from the standpoint of reaching out to people. My definition of evangelism is showing up. All you got to, as a Christian, if you show up and you let the light within you shine, you will have no um, recourse other than to um, evangelize, to give witness to uh, Christ. So, um, so I think dis- discipleship on the on the grand scale, the the macro discipleship is is the practice that the church um, needs to lean into and help people uh, engage in practices or teach people practices, as I've described. Um, praying, reading scripture, being in community, and their counterparts, uh, how to be alone, how to read other um, um, holy writs, um, people who've engaged God, um, but that aren't the Bible. Um, I think that's the church's role. And then it's the people's role to practice those practices, to, to have a discipline of practicing them, not as as a substitute for the encounter, but as a way to encounter uh, the holy and the divine. I think that is, that is so, and, and boy, I think that's what the world is hungering for. People, boy, if the church was doing that job, I think that people would be knocking the doors down to say, hey, I'm hungry for that kind of encounter. But I think that the church has kind of fallen lax and doesn't really know what her job is anymore because of all the voices and thinking that if we pay attention to, you know, this voice or that voice and not the voice, the voice of the holy and the divine, that, you know, that would be the gravy train to filling our pews. But, but you know what? It was never the intent to fill pews. It was always the intent to transform uh, people into the image of the living Christ. So, 
I don't know I, I, if I got off track, but but discipleship by the church and practicing dis- disciplined practice of uh, spiritual practices by the people. And so tell us more about your own spiritual practices. I know that you sometimes go on retreats. Can you tell us more about those and how those help you not only in your public ministry, but also in your personal spiritual walk? Yeah. So um, my, uh, I have a daily, a daily practice of, um, I have a, what is it called? Um, it's an app on my phone. <laughs> it's kind of funny, the world we live in today. It's an app on my phone and it follows the daily reading uh, in the lectionary and um, it follows the, the church calendar. Um, and so um, in that app, I get a, uh, I get a, a scripture and some reflection time and some quiet time uh, with the scripture um, that's read twice typically. So that's, that's one practice. Um, I try to um, practice being quiet because I am a very verbal and active person. I try to take time to, to be quiet and meditate, um, engaging in the, the God that is around me, um, that is found in the very presence of the day itself. Um, and I try to practice uh, patience. Um, by nature, I'm a very impatient person. Um, and so I have to find myself uh, um, um, practicing patience. And, um, and this is the big one. This is, you know, the... I try to um, practice love, um, how to love love people I'm not patient with, how to love people that, you know, I don't like how they think or behave. I try to practice love and, and that helps me practice my patience and patience helps me practice my love. Um, I guess those two go hand in hand, but those are some things that, that I, I practice. Um, I have found over the years as a pastor that church, Sunday church is work. That's not a place where, you know, um, I engage God. Um, probably if I want to engage God, I, I typically um, am either with friends, really close friends or family. Um, or I am alone in the mountains. Um, those are places that I can, that I in, encounter God. But typically church um, has been a place um, because I'm leading the worship service. I'm leading the prayer time. I'm leading and, and um, um, there have been some very precious relationships um, that are godly relationships, but in terms of the institution, as a leader in the church, I find those um, those in other places. And I think that's really important for everyone who does church leadership, of course, pastors, but everyone uh, who participates seriously in leadership. I know a lot of 
even church administrators struggle with this. And it's so important that we carve out that space just to be with God. And even for folks who attend church uh, and who are not in leadership positions, thank you for sharing your spiritual practices. Because I'm just going to back around to what you said at the beginning, that part of your initial call into ministry was to teach us not only what to do on Sunday morning, but to teach us how to carry lives of faith into Monday. And so I think it's so important that we equip people, not just to come to church and enjoy the worship experience, but to know what it means to be the church outside of just that worship experience. And so just to kind of recap and close up our conversation, one thing that we'll be doing the end of each of our conversations here on Grace Spaces is sharing just some grace notes, which are just kind of those final closing tips that we might want to leave folks who have listened to the episode with as they end the episode and go out into their lives and try to be people of faith. So as we're concluding this conversation, what are your grace notes? What is it that you really want us to take with us from this conversation? Um, One is that we're on a journey And so where you are now is not where God wants you to end up. Um, So there's some transformative work that needs to be done in all of our lives, um, as I described at the beginning of the conversation. Um, Secondly, I think um, that God is bigger than um, all of us. Um, God is bigger and God's kingdom is bigger than what we think it might be. Um, so as we are on this journey, allow the, the enormity of God to engulf you and, and to not be scared of mystery or the unknown. And then um, finally, I think, you know, find those practices that anchor you, that you can be tethered into, that allow you to, to engage um, the fullness of this world and yet be anchored and not be carried away with every blowing wind. But um, you, you, you can be like a kite uh, lifted beyond uh, the earth and uh, yet be tethered uh, to something that is much more sound and grounded than um, your own ideology or dogma. I love that image. I just love the way that you have played with images throughout our conversation today, because I think especially for those of us who might be more visual, it really helps us to understand the fullness of God, how God is not just an encounter that we have on Sunday mornings, but God is really all around us all the time, all encompassing. So thank you so much, Harry, for sharing in our first conversation here on Grace Spaces. Uh, before we finish up, is there anything else that you would like to share about your own ministry or anything that might be coming up in the life of the American Baptist Churches of Connecticut that you might want to share? Yeah, I, there are, but I think I want to say this. I want to say thank you publicly to you, Jamie, for um, this um, experiment to step out into the wider uh, stratosphere in through podcasting um, and engage people um, in their daily journey. Um, and so hats off to you um, and to all that you are 
you are doing. I will say that uh, coming up this year, um, there's going to be for APCON pastors and leaders um, what I'm calling online clinics where conversations, uh, we have a clinician where in a person will come in with particular expertise and engage those who are interested in the topics um, with information and a time to gather after uh, those online clinics uh, to continue the conversation. And then after that face-to-face time together, more information that, that might be able to plumb down into with the hope that our churches and our leaders are given uh, food for the journey. So much like these podcasts. So so thank you, Jamie, again, for this creative idea and um, for your willingness to um, take us into what we've never done before. And thank you for being our first guest. You all, this is a conversation with the Reverend Dr. Harry Riggs. He is the executive minister at the American Baptist Churches of Connecticut. Thank you for listening to this episode of Grace Spaces. Follow us on Instagram at ABC Grace Spaces. Until next time, go forth with faith, hope, and grace.